Hello there, and welcome to the Bunkerzilla Film Raw here at Bunkerzilla UK. We're stomping through all the latest movie news and releases, obviously at this moment, on digital. Uh, but I'm your host, Ian Bolton, and joining me as always is my cinematic partner in crime. It is Christian R. Allen. Hello, Christian. Good morning, my friend. I've come up with a new name for us. What is it? Well, inspired by Space Jam and our current predicament, we're not the dream team, we're the stream team. I, 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 can, I can see wheels in this. I think, I think we could stretch this for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Stretches in conversation though. <laughs> I can see it now, all the merchandise opportunities. My face and your name. I wouldn't put your face on a shirt. I'm just putting that out there. I'm sorry. You're cruel and mean. No, I'm just, I have sensible business decisions to make because is I it, actually am interested in profit. Is it because I've got um, uh, an evil looking moustache? For the benefit of those who can't see us, which is everyone, because this is, an, this is not a visual medium, um, Ian is twirling his moustache akin to a 1920s villain. <laughs> and I'm going to put you on the rail tracks. <laughs> and then I'll get that inheritance. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners, you no longer need to watch the original version of Scarface. You just had the film entirely described in one sentence for your benefit. So, Man, you a tummy gun, a tummy gun. <laughs> ah. Oh, that, that definitely, that's definitely in line with something we're talking about later on today in the episode. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Mm. Um, but no, generally, how, how are you doing? And, uh, uh, yes, I'm very good. I'm still, I'm... Not as cabin fevery as some of my friends. I've been able to get out, do some exercise. Well, I've I've noticed there is a dramatic increase in joggers. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> there are more joggers. What 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 does it take to you know, inspire an entire nation to get into shape? Mad maddening boredom. That's the answer. It's like oh, I like walking around here. Too many joggers. Too many joggers. <laughs> but no, I no, I've been going I've been going out for like daily walks and stuff like that. And everyone everyone's doing lots of walks around the area, which is great. Obviously people yep. getting getting nice, healthy and fit or just trying to keep active. But you do get to see a lot of dogs, which is very nice. That's uh, always but, a bonus. But the thing is obviously in these uh, in these times you can only let the just watch the dog. You can't politely pet the dog and say, Hello there, friend as they as they as they come up because obviously you don't want to do any virus spreading that sort of stuff um but yeah it's like the day the days are still kind of they the days all seem the same still to me it's like time it's is like, an illusion it's like certain little bits it's like yes i, I do a couple of extra radio shows for bunkers at the moment so it's kind of like i get up i'll do the radio show i'll have lunch I'll play some games, I'll have dinner, and then I'll do some Twitch stream gaming and all that sort of stuff. Because, uh, yeah, we're, we're, all the, we're doing various new things on Bunkerzilla. We're now on Twitch. So you can join us at twitch.tv slash UK. Hopefully the film will might make a visual upgrade to that platform in the near future. Uh, yes, we just have to get the logistics all sorted out and, and in place. Green screen, um, makeup. I'm going to have to start shaving regularly again. Um, probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, or I, or I can grow out an Edwardian moustache myself. Yeah, and we can have hat of the day as well. We can have we can just wear hats every every episode. You found a picture of us from like four years ago. Oh like, yeah, yeah. And I was wearing a tiny sombrero, and I have no recollection <laughs> re- recollection of that hat at all. I had no recollection of that photo. 
Like, no, I didn't. The worst thing about that photo is we both look so much healthier in that picture, even though we're <laughs> drinking to oblivion whilst wearing wrestling championship belts. Well, this was this was the the golden days of conventions. <laughs> <laughs> what before COVID nineteen? Oh, those sort of days, yes. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, but no, I've been I've been I've been I've been getting more and more into um watching i feel like i have watched a lot more films during this period than i have done in the last couple of months to be perfectly honest i've I've actually caught up i realized um my partner she has a terrible habit typical big uh typical bookworm Mm. uh not a big she's not a pen um terrible bookworm (laughs) in the fact that she will buy three or four books every week or so and Mm. turn around and say "Hmm, i should probably read read Lee's at some point so yeah. she's, go, she's going through and she's reading every book she hasn't read and she's refusing to buy a new book until she's gotten through her extensive library mm. I'm, I'm, I've taken the same attitude to my film collection because me being a smug git I was like why would you buy a book if you've already need to read a book turns around oh yeah there's 20 French movies I bought last week which I haven't got through yet <laughs> so I'm, I've just decided I'm going to go through them alphabetically try to get through one a day mm. I'm, I'm currently I've just <laughs> I've got an unofficial trilogy going on of Betty Blue, mm-hmm. Blue is the Warmest Colour, and The Big Blue. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. Yep, yep. Free, free yep, film. Well I've just, oh, I've just watched Free Colours Blue as well. There we go. It's a trilogy of four parts. The, 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 the overarching, sto- overarch- overarching story doesn't really seem to make sense to me, but I'm sure, I'm sure that's my failing. I've, I, I don't think I've seen any of those ones to be honest i mean i mean i do i do have i do have my own sort of mini collection of french films but they're more kind of like action dramas in a way so it's stuff like like, mezzarine um, or mezzarine yeah because mezzarine it's superb double feature with uh, nikita uh nikita yes i have that one um i have like original i think i've got the original taxi i've never seen those did luke Besson wrote those i believe he wrote and produced uh taxis the taxi films it's kind of like the it, obviously, it's kind of like in the state because obviously Luc Besson would would be directing a lot of films back in the day, but now it's very rare for him to come out and do film direction. I think the last one he did was Anna, which was the um, Killian Murphy, um, Luke Evans actioner last year. Um, I can't remember the lady's <laughs> name. I totally forgot that film existed. I thought yeah. his last feature was but, Lucy. But no, but but the the usual thing with Luc Besson films is he'll cast a total unknown in the lead at, in the lead and and see how it happens I mean that's how that's how Miljokovic got a big break Fifth Element oh she's fantastic in that role yeah yeah and uh, and now obviously doing lots of Resident Evil films Hellboy that sort of stuff <laughs> never um, ending yeah. never ending uh, Resident Evil movies yeah I think some of my some of my favourite sort of French films I've got in my collection I've got the um, I've got the Jean Dujardin um, spy parodies the OSS 117 series um it's basically it's based on a, an actual french comic book spy but the way um jean de jardin and the film's director who i believe is also the director of the artist approached the films um is basically he is kind of like a, a very very bad spy he's, he's extremely terrible spy but he's also a terrible human being <laughs> And then, and there's no and redeeming think, qualities whatsoever. No, no, it's just like, and it's just, it's just awkwardly funny to watch him get in trouble. Because um, there's one where he's, uh, it's like lost, it's like something in Cairo. It's like the first, the first one's set in Cairo, and um, he's obviously on on a spy mission there, and he gets woken up in the middle of the, uh, at the start of the day by the mor- the morning call to prayer. Yep. 
and he gets so annoyed that he goes wandering off trying to find out who's doing the morning call to prayer and tells them to shut up <laughs> wow <laughs> that that's how awkwardly silly it gets but it's like but the fact is it's usually then it's like he has a he has a real good talent for being this sort of charming yet but problematic character <laughs> it is enough charisma to sort of make it endearing as opposed to just generally awful oh yeah i mean i mean we we've seen comedy films before where it just turns around and just it's just nasty for the sake of it obviously like coffee and cream coffee and cream spraying and, immediately uh, to yeah, mind. yeah especially um <laughs> or but hangover no, two hangover, or hangover three. three yeah those sort of things um but no no those are they are they are quite a bit uh, no lost in rio is even it's a bit weirder because he goes to rio and he's taken on nazis and nazi luchador wrestlers as well it's really weird but um no they are they are unique french comedies if you can find them they're quite uh they're quite engaging um but no i'm more i'm more in terms of french cinema i am definitely about the crime film so uh, some of my favorite films is um one of them's 36 or uh, with uh duard de Padure. um it's about two police officers trying to take down uh a dangerous group of criminals and whoever takes them down gets the big promotion uh so it's kind of like what lines are they willing to cross to get that big promotion hmm. um also there's point uh point blank which was remade by netflix recently um it's about a uh, nurse who finds himself uh in serious trouble when his partner gets kidnapped by criminals and he happens to be looking after the criminal that those criminals are looking for so it's kind of like they have to team up and kind of deal with stuff like that and also a really uh, and also a really really cultish one and again Vitz Cassell as well uh Doberman I've never Dober- heard of this Doberman is like uh, I think it's a night it's 90s uh it's a very pulpy kind of in your face uh action thriller uh Vince Cassell's like leading a gang of criminals um I, I can't think I can't remember the other guy's name uh who's the detective chasing them but uh basically it's one of those actors that you you know you see you you know the face you just don't know the name half the time but um the ones that actually work yeah constantly <laughs> yeah um even in even in western films as well um he was in that james nesbitt tv drama oh well it's, oh, it's well, got uh, murphy's law no no it's the one where he's looking Cold for his feet? daughter with well, the one where he's looking for his daughter i don't know what that was. uh it was yeah uh, I, the I, hobbit I, no that's the, <laughs> no that's not the drama but anyway oh maybe the yellow pages adverts no no nor what, nor the lottery adverts what we need to do in is we need to have a cultural exchange program where you introduce <laughs> me to incredibly silly action french movies and mm. i'll bring along like you know amelie or mm. um, i'll bring in the five hour edit of napoleon from 1927 Oh, I'll bring along the five-hour version of Carlos with Edgar Ramirez. There we go. We'll <laughs> five-hour movie Five-hour movie marathon. <laughs> How many films uh, did you get through today? Half. Half. <laughs> oh, no, it was... It, yeah, because Carlos, Carlos uh, the Jackal film, I saw at London Film Festival years and years ago, and it was like five hours, so you like watched... Uh, like two and a half two hours 45 then they forced you out of the cinema for an hour to get a break it's like we're stopping the film yes. here go get a break yeah go outside health and, health and safety legislation uh, yeah. and, then, and then come back and we'll show you the rest of the film okay that's well, fine the rest of the film <laughs> well the well the fact is it's it's weird because the way they released it in the uk was there are two versions there's the full mm. five hour uncut version or there's the, a slimmed down version, which is about two, two and a half hours. Uh, 
um, which again apparently is supposed to be all right. But if you want the full flavour of this uh, of this sort of of the real life uh, terrorist uh, Colossal Jekyll, you go through go through the five hour thing, um, and it is, it is quite an experience as well because it's like it's like many sort of mini arcs of what's going on. I think I think in I think it because I think it might have also been kind of like a French film as well, French German co-production or something like that. I, if, I might be wrong. If you want to watch a very short French movie, have you ever seen My Life as a Courgette? I've heard of it, haven't seen it. It's very good, excellent stop-motion animation. It's mm. sixty minutes long. Mm. Sim- similar length, uh, The Illusionist. Oh, which, I've, I've never seen it. I've heard good things. It's it friend. It's uh, I think we've talked about this before. It's one of the people who do uh, Bendevu Rendezvous. Bellevue de Rendezvous, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very striking animations. Yeah, the very striking animation, beautiful animation. But it's it's the it's the bittersweet tale of of an illusionist trying to kind of make it to the big time. It's only about sixty seventy minutes long. Animation is beautiful. Um, I mean, the length of the film. It it it's an interesting question. Like, when is a film too short? When is a film too long? I mean, the the Mm. simple answer is the story needs to be told. At the yeah. length it needs to be told. So yeah. I mean, one of my um, one of my favourite movies is Once Upon a Time in um, America by mm. uh, Sergio Leone's big. That, that's epic. four or five hours long, isn't it? Yes, it's very long. But the, the, yeah. is it, um, uh, um, <laughs> against Sergio Leone's um, uh, wishes, the studios when it was first released in the United States, I think they removed nearly three hours of the movie, well, at least at least over two hours of the plot, and it, mm. it doesn't make any sense. And um, it's only in recent times, since, since the advent of DVD and Blu-ray, we've been able to get a full so-called director's cut. Now, yeah. people, the film's been able to be re-evaluated, and you're like, oh no, this is actually a, a masterpiece, now that I understand the story. Good. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I mean, my, my view on Fallings is, as long as the story or the pacing works, I have no issues with yes, it. Yes, It's kind absolutely. of like... It's kind of like how people are. I think before the whole film delays came in, people were gawking at the length of No Time to Die, and it's like Avengers was ten minutes longer. Like, <laughs> how were you annoyed at this? Yes, it's... but unlike Bond, Avengers had portals. This is true, and a time travel thing, and, unless, and raccoons. Unless the plot for the latest Bond is that he goes back in time, finds the other Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> just Lazenby, Connery, I need you now. It's like, oh, I don't really want to come along. <laughs> Here's a lot of money, Sean. Oh, well, I remember when I was on the set of the Rock. Just get in the portal, Sean. <laughs> I don't want I... to be a spy anymore. You take over, George. I used to be in one film. <laughs> <laughs> You've, so you've insulted Scotland, you've insulted Australia. You're basically becoming Bart Simpson at this point. The, um, uh, I need a kick up the bum. The, I don't know. I don't know if this is true, but I remember the rumor at the time was when Skyfall came out. You know, Brian Cox had that great little cameo. Was it Brian Cox? No, it wasn't Brian Cox. You know, the, the gatekeeper, the um, groundskeeper. Oh. Sorry. Oh, Albert Finney. Albert Finney. Albert Finney. I don't know why I got. I'm getting them confused because of the Bourne movies. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I know where you're going with this. Yes, but uh, apparently Albert Finney's character was originally meant to be played by Sean Connery. Yeah, well, I think I think I've I've talked about it in in previous episodes, sort of that. It's like, yeah, even even though even though the even though they've they've kind of made peace, I 
I don't think Sean Connery would touch anything bomb related with a barge pole. I, I, I think I think he's content to basically yeah. stay retired. Yeah, uh, support the SNP whilst living effectively as a tax exile from Scotland. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. It, well, if you look, if you're looking for people to still be involved, grab grab Brosnan. Brosnan's rocking a really nice sort of evil grey beard tash combo at the moment, or Dalton. One of those two. Love Dalton. Oh, it's just in similar good news. The studio Canal have announced they're going to release a massive box set remaster with a 4K disc of the greatest movie of all time, Flash Gordon. Yes. <laughs> it's a great. I was explaining. I was explaining. My partner's never watched Flash Gordon. And I was explaining to my excitement. I was like, Midge, imagine Star Wars, but not cool. That's Flash Gordon. <laughs> But the best thing about Flash Gordon is that without the Queen soundtrack, it wouldn't work. It would just be the the, the dullest thing. It it would be basically like two hours of paint drying. But on paper, you've got you've got people like Richard O'Brien, you've got Timothy Dalton, you've got even you've got even you've got Brian Blessed going Gordon's alive. (laughs) That sort of way. Max von, um, oh, what's his surname? Oh, Max von Schnaldan. Thank you. Yes, he, he plays Merciless Ming. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, because Sam, Sam Jones, it was like Sam Jones didn't really go on to much anything after playing Flash, but he kind of got put on a pedestal and was kind of worshipped in Ted and Ted 2. <laughs> I mean, those scenes are delightful. Yes. Like, I, just... I, I, I genuinely think the Flash sequences in Ted are the highlight of that film. Oh yeah, Mark Wahlberg just lovingly hugging Sam Jones, just going, "This is amazing." <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen Ted Two. I've been told it's quite mean spirited, like kind of like the Hangover movies. But I, I was yeah, pleasantly was surprised by how good the first Ted movie was, because mm. I'm not a big Seth MacFarlane fan. Um, mm. I, I like him as a person, but he's never really made me laugh. Um, I hear good things about the Orville, which is his, uh, his space show. Yeah, it's weird because I'm, I'm a big Trekkie, and I've been a bit. Um, I haven't been particularly satisfied with a lot of Star Trek content over the last five, ten years. Um, mm. I, I not, I really dislike Star Trek Discovery, um, and but the general consensus amongst like <laughs> bitter old school Trek fans is um, that the Orville is actually the best current Star Trek series available. Yeah, because I think I think originally a lot of people were kind of worried, like, oh, it's just basically going to be the same Family Guy humor just applied to space. There are small moments of that. Very small yes. moments of it, but generally it is, it's very watchable. It's quite good. I, I've only seen a few episodes, but I need to watch the rest of the series. Uh, I, I'll, have to, I'll have to give it a deep dive because, like, the Seth MacFarlane, again, although I've never really found it particularly funny, apart from the old sort of Family Guy quip, I really like him, and we we, we seem to have similar interests. He is mm. he is obsessed with Next Generation. He absolutely adores that series. He he he, he can talk hours about the set design, which is mm. fascinating in itself. Mm. Um, so yeah, he, he, it's interesting how he's created. He seems to have created a like a, a loving homage to Star Trek, which is quite, mm. which is quite good. While Star Trek is going for this weird deconstructionist phase, where all the current producers are trying to um, reinvent try to, it. Re- yeah, they're reinventing the wheel basically, and I don't see the point. I, I like, I like, I like, I like building off. Pre, you know, previously established narrative. I, I am a bit of a canon is important kind of guy. It's one of the reasons mm. why I've been dissatisfied with Doctor Who and Star Wars of recent years. It's not that I, you know, it's not that I, I have a problem with sort of you know bold, brave 
decisions, <laughs> narrative decisions in itself. They just, just have to make sense. They have to make sense and they don't have to basically justify their existence by trashing the previous, previous 50 years of um, established storytelling. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's like it's like it's it's similar to bond it's all that sort of yeah it's like things aren't necessarily can because obviously stories change it's like the only sort of continuity for the first time seems to be more with the craigs which is which is nice um but obviously i, I found it a bit extraneous i i i really really liked specter but the only things i, re- I didn't like it, it all the way um blofeld seems to have been threading this web for our yeah, bond life yeah, that... seemed really shoehorned yeah, that that seemed a bit that seemed a bit odd, and and the and the fact one of the things that sort of sticks out like a sore thumb for me, and I've been watching rewatching the Craigs over the last couple of weeks. So I've, I watched Quantum of Solace last week, and it's not a bad film. It's just I, I think the problem is it what it did have a lot of things against it, like the the writer strike happening at that time. So they had a very bare bones script. Bits of the film are good i think there's still good character development there it's just yeah it's just it just i think that's not what people were expecting at the time after casino royale came out and was such a success i mean yeah i mean casino royale was the came out at the right time it was the right story to come out at the right time because but i i thought bond was dead to be perfectly yeah. honest well with bought with born around yeah yeah, yeah, everyone was kind of thinking that it was. It wasn't just the fact that you know, Bourne had totally changed the you know, action cinema landscape. It was the fact that, if we're being honest, if we're being honest the the Pierce Brosnan out um, equality of Bond films during Pierce Brosnan's time was not that great. Um, no. I, I enjoyed. I, I really, really love Goldeneye, and I have a real soft spot for um, Tomorrow Never Lies, as it should have been called. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I can't believe this? a typo in a script changed the name of the film. <laughs> so bizarre. And um but yeah, um, I still to this day haven't been able to watch the whole of Die Another Day. Is it the, once you get to the CGI windsurfing you just or wave surfing, that's it. I think I, gave, <laughs> I think I gave up fifteen minutes in, to be honest. Okay, and I, so and I, I even like Madonna's song. <laughs> I know Madonna, I'm an outlier, but Madonna, Madonna's song with the visual works with the yeah. opening credits works um but yeah in terms of what's been before i mean to be honest it's like a lot of the brosnan themes were not i think goldeneye was okay um but i i considering the two the, the two songs they use in tomorrow never dies like uh Sheryl crow's version which is the most depressing song it's like i'm on the floor <laughs> I'm so bored. In, in high praise of the Brosnan songs, a, Tina Turner's Golden Eye is great. Golden Eye. Golden Eye. I bloody love garbage. Um, they have a decent song. It's, it's, not, it's not bad. Oh, it's, it's not cra- great. I think it's a really underrated. No, I think it's really underrated. The, the music, world the... is not enough. Down, 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 down. No, no, no. But it's such a perfect place to start, my love. <laughs> <laughs> the music video for that one's actually quite cool. It's like it um, it's like robot version of Shirley Manson, is it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's a, they make a robot version of the lead singer and they put a bomb in her stomach and then they go right infiltrate the garbage concert and blow it up (laughs) (laughs) has nothing to do with the film (laughs) but um yeah it's it's interesting the parallels between Goldeneye and Casino Royale because Goldeneye basically 
saved the Bond franchise in the 90s because it, yeah. it had died. Not because of the quality of the Dalton Outlands. It was actually legal. To, you're probably already aware yeah. of this year, but just yeah. due to awkward legal disputes. It's like, to, to me, Dalton was never fired. He was actually no. offered to re- reprise the role in well, Dalton they, Eye. Well, they said, I think, because uh, I think they kind of offered Dalton uh, GoldenEye and they said, oh, we want you to do a- another couple. And he just went, no. <laughs> he's just like, thank you, but no, I think it's time for me to move on. It's a shame because I, I think he's a he's a very underrated Bond. Um, I'm, a, I'm a, I, I only I don't think there's a bad Bond per se. The only one I don't really enjoy that much is Roger Moore. Um, I just find him a yeah, bit too it, camp it became, and overbearing. It became it became very very uber camp. I think post if, if, Spy, if Moore, Spy loved me. Yeah. If Moore had left around about four or five films earlier, mm. like I, I think he'd be held in a lot higher stand um, higher yeah. um, uh, standard then. Like, I so, think, oh, sorry, go on. I think Moore's best film out of the bunch for not being Uber Camp was Fiori's Only. My yeah, uh, my personal favorite is um, I Live and Let Die. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not too camp. That's obviously with that was with the with the the times at the, at, at that time of being released. Obviously, well, yeah, it's, well. It's, it's it's almost a parody of black exploitation movies at the time, and it's interesting. Mm. It's an inversion because the novel is the novel is quite racist. So the, the the they they kind of flipped the racism yeah in the novels to make it more a an actual you you want to film it you can enjoy but um mm. <laughs> you don't mm. you don't want to just like walk out in disgust yeah I mean it's quite think... it's quite just it's, I I do need to um I need to um, read all the um Ian Fleming novels properly I was but, I've I've been listening to the um some of the audiobooks so I've been listening to the Casino Royale one uh, which but, is narrated by. Dan Stevens, you know, evil prospector from the Call of the Wild. <laughs> As you do. Yeah, but, but no, it's actually quite quite an engaging read. And to be honest, the, the book, the the film does kind of mirror the book quite a lot. Obviously, it changes. Obviously, it's not background. It's poker in the film. Um and it's like I I never understood I never understood the rules of background until I listened to the audiobooks like, oh, so that's what they go bank or to the bank. <laughs> that sort of thing. Thanks. So, oh um but yeah, I think just briefly going back to Steve Dalton, and we, we, we'll move on to our film reviews in a second. Um, thing is, it's like uh, someone made a very good comment in the Everything or Nothing documentary, and it's Robert Davar who plays Sanchez in License to Kill. And the fact is, Timothy Dalton didn't get to do his third film. If he did his third film, uh, I think a lot of audiences probably would have embraced him a lot more because Connery's third film was Goldfinger. Yep. Moore's third film was uh, Spy Loved Me. And you and you and you can kind of you can kind of look at um, well, Craig's third film, Skyfall. Skyfall. Yeah, and you can't really can doesn't work with quite... Brosnan, unfortunately. No, no, it doesn't because by then I think every I think everyone had pretty much accepted Brosnan by the time Twilight Never Dies came out. To be perfectly honest, they just kind of went, "Yep, fine, carry might, on." Might, <laughs> I mean, the, the gap in production might have been. Um... Well, the thing, well, it's more, well, the the Brosnan gaps were there was a film every two years at least, which was great. But now the Craigs are kind of like, there's five years in between some of these. So it's like, okay, so yes, when Bond comes... But the quality every- is so much better. This is true. This is true. I think I think when Craig does move on, and I think they bring a new Bond back, or a new, not bring a new Bond back, but bring a new Bond in. When he regenerates. Yep. When he... When into he, Jodie Whittaker. Yep. Uh, I, I have a sense they're going to try and go back to that film every two years period because it's kind of like they need to keep... Well, it's... it's yeah because it's it just it i think it just for them makes sense because i think a lot of i think craig's been a great bond 
absolutely been a great bond. Uh, it's just obviously when you kind of give leeway a lot to actors and other producers involved, obviously things have to line up right. And yeah, it's kind of like things only happen when everyone's happy. So mm. yeah, I guess. No, and, no, all, and, I, and, I, and, I, and sorry, obviously with Craig, obviously he, he's put a lot into the role. And obviously he's he's showing the scars and the physical wear and tear from it as well because he's been very he's he's been quite open about it in I think in some some of the interviews running up to the original release of No Time to Die, just sort of saying he was very unsure of coming back for the fifth one simply because he had gone through all the injuries and stuff like that. His family did not like seeing him being put through the ringer and so forth. So it's kinda like he was trying to he was kinda trying to think what was best for everyone. But yeah. also, I think. I, also, I think. Also, I think he came back simply because he wants to end on a high. Inspector, while there are good moments, for Inspector doesn't necessarily come across as a high send off. No, that's, it, that's it, just it, feel, me. it feels like it feels like the awkward penultimate episode of the series. Yeah, 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 and that, and that's why I was really looking forward to No Time to Die because certain bits of the of the story and the elements were coming up, lining up quite nicely. It's like the song was hinting, uh, the Billy Eilish song was hinting at what was going to happen. I'm kind of going. Oh, this is interesting. So, no, and- I, I, I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm very excited. It'll be, it'll be our treat once COVID nineteen has been defeated. Yep, yep. Like, and we are able to go back to an IMAX cinema, and we can see this film finally in IMAX. And, and if our worst fears are realised, and we descend into a Mad Max style dystopia, what we need to do is in our sort of in our armoured car, we need to find a film, a, a copy of the film print mm. in a studio <laughs> bunker somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we basically we'll just travel the wastelands collecting film reels. But the problem is, most cinemas are digital, so we're collecting hard drives. Boo! There'll be no <laughs> electricity in this age. <laughs> so, like the, I'm like coming the for the film world. drive. It'll be like the end of world's um, end. <laughs> oh yeah! I need oh, re- yeah. I need to rewatch. It's the only it's the only film in the free. It I, I, I love I love all those movies. It's the only mm. one that I don't rewatch. Um, not because I don't know. It's, it's just it's just never had the urge to, even though I, it clearly feels like the most intelligent out of the three movies. Yeah, yeah, but, it is definitely definitely out of the three. It's just um, yeah, I, I, think it, I don't know if it has the repeatability. It's like, it, doesn't have the, it doesn't have the quotability. I think the reason reason why Hot Fuzz and Shaun the Dead work so well is because they're always the quotes like from Shaun the Dead is like you've got red on you, or with um, or with um, Hot Fuzz a lot of things like shame <laughs> the greater it's, good it's, it's any line olivia coleman her, she's just what? she's filth what do I you l- think it's murder <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen oscar winner olivia coleman i've been, I've been a big fan of hers for years like i remember what the first time i watched peep show when it was being broadcast back in like 2004 2003 i just think oh she's so funny I hope, I hope she has a successful career because obviously it, is, it was designed to push um, Mitchell and Webb. Mitchell and Webb, and I'm just like looking back 15 years later, I'm like, yep, she's done all right. Yep, <laughs> she's done okay. Uh, 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 out of that group. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> let's just throw every award at her. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, but yes, let's 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 bring the film ramble to a close. I've actually enjoyed this little film ramble. It's been quite good. Oh fun. yeah, we're recording this for a podcast. Yes, yes, but obviously. Hopefully the people listening are film buffs so they would like the film conversations. Of course, do let us know what you think about some of the stuff we've been talking about. Contact at Bunkerzilla is the place to send your emails. Also, if we've mispronounced any French titles, feel free to just ignore it. Just don't tell us. We know. Well, it's like, we we do try. 
We try. We try. We try. It's it's not like it's not our common goal to go out and murder something. <laughs> Which is what the French language. Uh, most languages, especially English. <laughs> yes, I noticed. <laughs> oh well, me fell English. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> nice Simpsons quote. Excellent. Yes. You got one this week, not me. Five points for Bolton. Perfect. <laughs> right, let's move on to a film review and let's talk about Netflix's The Half of It. Give it up next for Ellie Chu. The good thing about being different in a town like this is that no one expects you to be like them. I'm 17. I live in Squamish with my dad. I run a business, writing essays for people. I guess I just never thought I'd need anyone else. Hey, hold up. $10 for three pages. No, I'm not trying to cheat. What's this? A letter. Maybe you can make me sound smart. Dear Astor Flores, I'm in love with you. These hallways are murder. I'm Ali Chu. Yeah, I know. You want a letter about love? I'll write you a letter about love. Right, the half of it. This is a teen romance comedy drama uh, about a young uh, Asian teen play uh, called Ellie Chu who agrees to write a love letter for a school jock. Um, she doesn't expect to become his friend or even fall for the woman that she's writing the letters for. And thus, and thus the tangled webs of love, friendship and... Everyday school life teen collide. Angst. Teen angst. Yeah, teen, teen angst and finding <laughs> and finding belonging. Um, and that, uh, yeah, that's half of it in a in a very in a very light nutshell. Um, the first thing that kind of came to me with this film is parts of it remind me of Sarah de Bergerac, which is the um, it's the French story. Yep, and also uh, a play um, I saw an NT live earlier this year with James McAvoy really really stunning production as well hopefully with the nt live um online stuff they've been doing hopefully they might bring that one on to streaming for a week oh, cool. because because basically they kind of take poetry and 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 romance into kind of like rap battles and stuff like that which is very interesting and very kind of funny at the same time and it's and it's played like a, a comedy drama as well um but yeah i kind of got that sense because of it because obviously uh elitude played by uh, Leia Lewis in the film is obviously writing letters for someone that she eventually starts falling for played uh, played by uh, Alexis Lemire who plays uh, the main love interest uh, Asta Flores um, but no I think I think the first thing I would probably say is in terms of in terms of school school stories and stuff like that a lot of them always come across as very uh, obnoxious. F- obnoxious fake um very kind of high glossy and i think the thing that really sticks with me with the half of it is for most of the film it feels honest and Mm. it feels genuine and it and it feels grounded and i can kind of go you know what if i was watching this when i was a lot younger go you know what that that does feel like accurate representation yes you still got you still got some of the random you still got some tropes in there you still got um Oh, you still like the mean girls troop. Yeah, like. the mean girls, the the uber popular jock who's got a political dad and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just it. 
I really, I was like, I thought I would like this film, but I really kind of came out of this thinking this is a really sort of, this is really kind of a nice, heartfelt, kind of genuine film. I mean, there are a few little bits of issues with it, um, but other than that, it's like this, this was, this was nice. I liked this. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, I think, I think this would definitely tick a lot of boxes for teenage audiences. I, I think I would have really enjoyed this a lot. Not that I didn't enjoy this. I, I, I'm with you. I, I thought this was actually. I was quite surprised how much I did enjoy this movie. I wasn't. Mm. I wasn't expecting to go into this um, mm. as much engagement as I had. Um, but if I was if I was younger and more impressionable, I would definitely find elements of this very appealing. I mean, I mean, a central theme throughout is discovering identity or mm. de- or dealing with imposed identity. Um, I mean, yeah. it obviously comes through with the Ellie character and her Asian heritage, and mm-hmm. the, the film play discusses the um, the impact that has on her father's inability to find work because he cannot he can't speak English properly. Even though to me his English seemed perfectly fine. Um, and he understands English perfectly fine as well, yeah. it seems. Well, he's, 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 a, he's a cinephile who's obsessed with Western movies. I mean, any film that play, shows someone watching Casablanca and like, you've got me. Um, I, I love those films. Um, mm. um, but yeah, the, the point, the, pre, the pressing point is that this character, he has a PhD, um, but can't find work because of um, the prejudice he experiences. And mm. um, um, which isn't so much a problem that his daughter seems to experience the film, although she does um it obviously impacts her through her father's um um difficulties um mm. but the, she's, um, she's yeah, very oh so she's um it's like she's she's helping out her dad because obviously yes. her because her dad her dad is still grieving it feels like he's still kind of trying to get over the loss of of his wife and but that's, that's the escape into fantasy yeah. film yeah and all, and all that sort of stuff and it's just trying to is trying to find support uh, or trying to give support where possible, and and obviously at the start of the film you see the fact that Ellie's also been writing a lot of essays for a lot of students for fifty dollars a pop. Yeah, she's so quite she's she's quite smart. She's she's very much the Lisa Simpson of the story. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the fact of the matter is, it's like even one or two teachers know she's doing it, but they're not gonna they're not I, they're not gonna stop her. They're I, just going, yeah, you're good, that's smart. But have you thought about college? I, I, I did. <laughs> I did find those scenes of her t- sort of a, a, a teacher who I guess is the um, her, uh, the, the, the confidant. Guy. Yeah, she. Um, I, I found those film, scenes quite sweet. I, I wasn't expecting them to go down that route. <laughs> it's just mm. the <laughs> the blasé acceptance. Like, oh, there's a there's a moment halfway through the film where she's obviously um, um, Ellie's being distracted with the love um, love note she's writing. Yeah. Um, on behalf of her friend, it's Paul, isn't it? Paul's the sort of the, the jock character she's helping. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We'll talk Bunch about him in a moment, but she. Um, yeah, the teacher turns around and says, "Like a lot of my classes are failing. What's happening? <laughs> are you okay?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that, like, that's quite a funny line. Um, it's like you're not getting my passing grade quota up. What's going on? <laughs> like, I, I I briefly dabbled in teaching. I, I gave up after two weeks because I just found it too over, over overwhelming. So I could totally, even in two weeks of teaching, I understand the, the cynicism that builds up in that in that industry, mm. uh, which is a shame. But no, it, it felt, I, I thought it was quite amusing, and it's it's mm. it's it's quite witty all the way through. Um, another point beyond her Asian heritage is also that you know, um, Ellie also has obviously a blossoming sexuality. Discover mm. she seems to be discovering through writing these letters the fact that she is gay. Um, mm. 
uh, I believe Alice Ruth, the director and, and writer of the story, she um, obviously she has Asian heritage as well, and she's gay, mm. um, and so that is obviously a lot of herself has been put into this film, and that probably helps with the the feeling of authenticity, yeah, which you touched upon, which I, I agree as well. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, there's also the issue of you know of family expectations, the role of family, as you as you mentioned, the fact that she's she <laughs> she's basically helping all these kids cheat in order to support her support her dad yeah. it was like it's like um the only reason she takes on the job of um the job of um um trying to st- seduce but, poor Esther, Esther for yeah. Paul is because like, she needs to pay her dad's phone bill doesn't she yeah um and oh, no, obviously no, it was a power uh, bill power Oh, power, power, power bill, sorry. And, but it's, and Paul, a, bill, it's Paul, a bill, it's a bill. Yeah, yeah, a bill. <laughs> and Paul, Paul himself, he, he has familial expectations with the sausage business. Yep. Is... <laughs> and he, yep. and, uh, and, and Paul, it's like, it's like, yeah, it could be like a standard... Jo- yeah, it could, initially when you when you first meet Paul, it's kind of like, oh, he's just a shy jock trying to woo a pretty girl. But he's kind of, there's there's a lot more to him. And I like the how the film peels away the layers of Paul throughout. It's just like... Oh, so you kind of, so he's quite he, he's quite a he's quite a a sensible and kind of good natured person as well. I mean, it's I think the thing in terms of identity is like the the main thing for him is like his family runs a sausage business or a sausage meat business and all that, and he's always wanted to try different recipes. But he's gonna wor- he's worrying if he's going to uh, get the wrath of his mother because <laughs> because he's just saying I want to change the recipe. Don't you dare change my recipe. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it, it, obviously it's quite a silly. Yeah, it's, it's a silly it's, thing, silly, but, but but it will resonate with a lot of teenagers. I mean, like who, I mean, a lot of adolescents who are sort of building, the, trying to build their own identity. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I, and I guess for, I mean, I can resonate with that a little bit because obviously you, there's always that thought of what's been expected from me from um, family or relatives. How it's like, am I am I achieving what I should be doing, or am I just kind of being considered like? the failure side of things so it's like hmm. it's like yeah it might not necessarily it's like yes it will resonate with with younger viewers because obviously they're at that stage of wondering where they are but i think it'll also throw memories back i guess to to older older viewers like ourselves about well back in the day what were people expecting us to do in that sort of in that sort of sense and i think that that's quite that was quite a nice way to engage with the content yeah no i agree um so yeah i i, I do i do find as you're saying, there's there's an authenticity to the piece, and the theme of identity is explored, I, I think, quite well throughout. Mm. Um, yeah. the, the characters, the main characters, are quite charming. Um, I, I I worry that the Aster character is a bit too perfect. perfect. Yeah, yeah, she she did come across, and and no no, this isn't a criticism. Of, um, is it Alexis Lowire? Uh, Alexis Lemire. Lemire, sorry, that's my my handwriting is mixing an M for a W. Um, yeah, I, th- I think mm. she plays the the role admirably. In fact, the acting throughout the film is very good. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, you've got to give credit to just just a slight tangent. You've got to give credit to Wolfgang <laughs> Novogratz, I believe. His oh, as, 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 a, as he, that first of all, that name is amazing. <laughs> well done to your parents. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's very funny. I mean, he is a throwaway character. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a one joke character. Yeah, he's, he he's has... never he's never nasty. He's just kind of um, he's just more he's more of a comic foil. He's more he's more of the simplistic jock. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he's not malicious. He, he, he didn't really come across as malicious to me. No, um, no. I mean, there there are it's like there are like background characters that I think there's one there's a group of characters that kind of have a malicious moment, which then turns into probably one of uh, Ellie's 
sort of like coming out uh coming out performances in terms of the talent show mm. but then again those characters are throw away they're just nasty pieces of shit yeah to be, to be honest um the thing is with, with scenes like that it is kind of signposted that what's gonna what's gonna happen so it's yeah. like you see you see a couple of scenes before you see that ellie's playing the guitar very well and she's trying to do a song and the moment the piano recital all starts going wrong you're going someone's got a guitar in the audience there's the guitar sing and <laughs> so it's it's those it's it's those little moments that i think kind of bring it down me, bring it down and prevent me from saying this is an amazing film it's still a very very good film and i enjoyed watching it um and yeah, I think there are some kind of slight variations on like the common everything's going to come tumbling down at some point, just how. Because it's kind of like I was thinking it was going to go one way and then it's like, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah. Won't go into, we won't go into the ending, no. obviously. But, um, no, no. But it's, um, it's, it's not, yeah, it's it's, it's an issue. I mean, one of, the, one of the biggest problems of the film as well is that it's... it's their, their scheme is very, very manipulative. Mm. And it's quite although although um, Paul and Ellie are quite endearing characters, what they're doing is pretty awful all the way through. And the film doesn't really ju- the film doesn't justify their actions, so it's, no, it's not saying what no. they're doing is right. But the problem is, y- you do feel uncomfortable, and it, it's a shape. It's difficult. It's diff- difficult thing to pull off because like the the interaction between Ellie or who Asta thinks is Paul, yeah is actually quite sweet and the, the, some of the sequences are very good like i, I like the, the the texting between each other the the scene where they're, they're painting um yeah they're, they're building graffiti on each other's graffiti as a way of communicating that seems to lovely another. i, yeah, love I, that I really really like that i thought it was very clever that was very clever storytelling um <laughs> it's a bit of spoiler mm. especially the way it gets the graffiti gets wiped wiped yeah. <laughs> at the end and they continue on top of that i thought that was very yeah i thought it was very sweet um but it does it it, it, it does there's no real moment you can fully embrace what's going on because you know what they're doing and it's, 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 yeah. and it, I, kind I, think, of, I kind of feel like it, it should have been maybe resolved a little bit earlier um, yeah. rather than, Cause, than build up build up build up build up yeah um, because when it gets when it gets to that sort of stage where everything starts tumbling down it kind of starts becoming a farcical comedy of errors yeah and you know in and a you, way again, everything's signposted like you say um, you yeah, know because it, it's, when the film is it's at its weakest is when it falls back on convention yeah um, which is which is a shame but i mean it's not not enough to derail my enjoyment of the film it's just it's the thing that just kind of holds it back yeah um in terms of in terms of your point just about obviously what they're doing is wrong obviously is what they're doing is wrong um but the fact is every, everything's far too quickly forgivable that's yeah that's um, the thing it's just it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like there's genuine repercussions yeah yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, okay. And I'm not good. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the biggest. My, one of the biggest problems of the film is that although although I do I did like the Ellie character, and you know her journey is fascinating. She mm. is a little bit too cold for me. I I, I don't yeah. I don't know if it's just no, because I think, of yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, it's kind of I, th- I think I it's mean, just playing to the character because obviously it's it's the stereotypical geek. It's very so. Daria. Pardon? Sorry? Daria, yes, TV actually, like um, although, although Daria obviously had the um very sharp, dry wit to yeah. sort of like yeah, I, I did find the early characters a lot better when I, when I started engaging with her more is when she starts teaching Paul, 
Mm. Um, I, I love the way she starts plagiarizing all these classic um, Hollywood romances in order to write her own letters. I thought that was very, yeah. I thought that was very sweet. Um, yeah. and, the, e- and even they kind of, they kind of uh, touch on those sort of moments in, in certain scenes of the film, especially at the very end yeah. as well. Because you kind of just kind of go, oh, they're going to reenact that scene, aren't they? <laughs> well, yep. we won't name the scene, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, it's... Um, I think I think you're right. There's a, I think there's more a lot more good in this film than there is bad. Mm. Yeah, it's just that the things that are bad did take me out of the film, and um, yeah. and um, I, as a result, I probably I personally wouldn't seek this out again. However, I would recommend this film, especially. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I think a lot of teenagers will get um will enjoy this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I personally enjoyed watching the film. Again, I'm with you. I wouldn't necessarily seek this out again. Um, say um but you know what this is kind of like a film that's this is kind of like in these times when we are just kind of streaming things they're right and center sometimes you come across something that you wouldn't expect to watch but you end up watching and you find yourself enjoying yeah and i think and i think this is this is one of those titles and the surprising thing since we started just focusing on streamed content this is by far the best film i've seen produced by netflix um, so I, I think it's <laughs> so much better than uh, well, obviously better than Coffee and Cream and, and, and Extraction and, and a bit, mm. I can't think of another Netflix film I've watched in recent times what I thought I mean uh, I mean yeah it's like with it, and it and it felt like a film as well that's yes. the thing it, it looked like a film because like I uh, when we were talking about Extraction it's like yes you can have these high budget film looking films but there are moments where clearly it doesn't come across like a film because of effects and stuff like that Whereas with the half of it, because it's a, a human comedy drama in that sort of sense, you actually it, it feels like a film. It's 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 lensed like a film mm. as well in terms of the anamorphic side of things as well. And yeah, no, it is one of it's been one of the best films I've seen from the Netflix originals label. Um, yeah, so let's move on to a star rating. I I. You know what? I'm quite happy to give this one a four. I was struggling between three and four. I, I'm, I will, I'll happy to say four as well. Actually, yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's very much on the low scale of four. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it just peeps. Yeah. Peeps into, it's, peeps into four. But I, I think, I think it's, um, I think, I think Alice Wu has done a very admirable job in telling the story she wanted to tell. Mm. And um, yeah, th- these kind of films can, can fall down quite disastrously especially when you're yeah. play, playing with so many identities being explored and I, I think I think the fact that this film is able to tell all these different uh, incorporate all these different nuanced um, aspects of the character's identity so well and mm. keep you engaged and you know and you know makes the film itself quite endearing I think yeah I think four stars is perfectly fine yeah yeah four star yeah. film solid four star well- film Solid four-star film. If you're looking for something interesting, different, and uh, a nice, nice sort of warm-hearted side of things, give the half of it a go. It's on Netflix right now. Right, let's move on to our next film, and we're going all the way back to 1994 and one of Jim Carrey's standout film performances. The Mask is a clip. It's like it brings your innermost desires to life. You become some sort of love-crazy wild man. I want him here tomorrow alive. Now you have to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Do you? Bunks? <laughs> Jim Carrey is... That's the guy! Hello! Wow. 
The Mask. Ooh, somebody stop me! Right, The Mask. Uh, I haven't seen this film in ages. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I remember seeing this at the cinema when I was younger. Oh, really? You saw the cinema? I was, I, I, wasn't, yeah, I was too young. I was uh, 94, so I was, ju- I was nine. I was nine at the time. I, I don't think my parents let me um, let me see it. I, I remember we, we they grabbed it on videotape, and I, I yeah. as I said, it was Space Jam last week. The videotape, yeah. I, I definitely wore that tape to it was translucent. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the ba- the basic plot of the mask for folks that are not well versed in this: uh, Jim Carrey plays a bank clerk, Stanley Ipkiss. Uh, he is a, a very sweet, but unfortunately. Um, He's a loser. Misfortunate loser, yeah. Uh, however, he discovers a, a mysterious mask in uh, in the local river, and when he puts it on, he's transformed into a manic superhero who does some insane things. And uh, when he starts running afoul of gangsters, all hell breaks loose in a way. Um, <laughs> shenanigans that, ensue. Shenanigans. Everyone loves shenanigans. But yeah, this this was one of Jim Carrey's very early. This came off. Uh, this was around the same time in '94 because uh, Ace Ventura came out yep. in the same year, and that was probably his uh, big breakthrough role, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ace Ventura was his breakthrough role. Do you know how much he was paid for the mask? No. He was paid four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Is that good or bad? Well, that was. Considering his next film, Dumb and Dumber, he earned seven million. Wow! So they got him cheap. Yeah, yeah, they were very fortunate to get him in at the time they did, uh, because obviously his stock was exploding. Mm. To be perfectly honest, and and you know what? This is like just like Ace Ventura. This is like the perfect vehicle to show how how engaging Jim Carrey can be as a comedy performer. No, absolutely, and and, and the thing with Jim Carrey, which we've discovered over the years. You know, through his varied performances that he's he, yeah there is a dual, duality to his personality and he, yeah. he is very good at playing you know the um the failing loser um yeah. the, the desperate loser he's also very good at playing the manic charismatic um mm. um well monster might be a word you know <laughs> some like comedic monster who is like very much in charge of a situation and is is uh, completely oblivious to any social norms and um, the, the genius of the mask in casting Jim Carrey is it, it marries these two aspects of his um, of his um, uh, of his strongest performing types. Yeah, because um, I, I was looking up on some of the trivia on the film, and apparently the special effects team were very happy that Jim Carrey got cast because it made animating things around him much easier because he was doing half the movement for them. Well, that's the thing; he's one of the most <laughs> animated performers. I mean, he he brings that physicality in. Uh, probably most prominently outside of this in Liar Liar especially when he starts having breakdowns over the like when he's smashing oh, his head Liar is a classic Liar Liar is a very good movie I think it's kind of fallen off the cultural zeitgeist over the years yeah. but I, I would recommend seeking that out if you enjoyed The Mask um, mm. but you know the, the transformation into The Mask I think it's, technically it's Loki the god of mischief yeah non-Marvel non-Marvel but yeah. non-Marvel Loki yep um, um, but yeah it, I mean, it fulfills the fantasy I mean like the Especially the fact that the Stanley Ipkiss character is a geek, a nerdy yeah. geek, and he loves this, cartoons. He loves cartoons. He loves comic books. And this is the early nineties. I mean, you know, I'm I'm very happy that being a geek is cool these days. But I can assure you, this is a very recent phenomenon. In the, mm. <laughs> in this period of time, it was you were basically socially ostracized to be watching yeah. cartoons like Tex. He's obsessed with Tex Avery cartoons. Mm. Um, and of course, he got, it's interesting they incorporate many of these sort of like the 
exaggerated uh, mannerisms of the Tex Avery, sort of like the Tom and Jerry world, yeah. into his performance as the mask. And um, see, seeing seeing these incredible... I remember at the time being amazed at the way... In a, in a, similar, in a similar way to um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah. So this incredible... It's this incredibly cartoon, cartoony sequences thrown into a, a dark, real world. Only, yeah. only the twist here is that the, the character who's a cartoon is also real. Um, yeah. But yeah, pl- playing playing into the fantasy of being this geeky nerd loser who can become a, a literal god was, uh, mm. was it's very very appealing. It's it's very mm. satisfying to watch. And um, yeah, he, he, Jim Carrey is funny as both characters and endearing mm. as both characters. You, you, you. Lo- I mean, there is a tension between Ipkiss and the Mask, uh, yeah. which plays out quite nicely throughout the film. But um, no, it's it's impossible to watch this film and not root for him and yeah. want him to become this character. And it's and it's like re- rewatching this film after so long. You remember some some absolute <laughs> crazy highlights of the film. It's like thing. It's like things like when he's first the mask and he gets chased by the gang and he sort of starts this uh, balloon thing. I was like, here for you, a little giraffe. For you, a puppy. <laughs> had rabies. We had to put it down. <laughs> and he goes, and my personal favorite, a Tommy gun. That's so good. I mean, it's 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 really interesting how dark the film is because of, yeah. It, I mean, this is a is this a PG? Because this definitely doesn't feel like a PG. I I <laughs> thought it was twelve when it first came out, and I, like I say, I remember I was not allowed to see it at first because of the violence and the dark themes. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's interesting because we we often think of cartoons as being you know for kids, but since the since the inception of um, motion animation, uh, for, sorry. Since the inception of animation, um, there has always been quite dark adult-oriented stories. It, was, yeah. it, it means pretty much Walt Disney's fault that we don't think of animation this way. But um, even some of, the, some of the cartoons referenced throughout, you know, the sort of the Tex Avery cartoons. Yeah. Um, you know, cartoons have always tended to be more itchy and scratchy than um, than Mickey Mouse. Mm. Um, mm. Um, and yeah, it's interesting how the film incorporates those. And it, it just it is very jarring. I mean, the the, mm. the real world is kind of cartoonish in itself. I mean, the art direction oh, is yeah. very interesting. I love the color palette. And I, I, what's the name of the city? It's Edge City or so. Edge City. Yeah. Yes. There's, yeah. A, there's a wonderful moment where he's he's um he's he's on a date, um mm. at a park bench, a, a beautiful a beautiful sort of um park, and it's just look at this beautiful view, and it's just this hideous. <laughs> like light polluted grey green um purpley brown sky with <laughs> it's it's a restrained if if we're comparing this to films the color palette is like a restrained batman forever or batman and robin yes yes it's interesting that actually i wonder how much this film had an influence on that because it, it, this is a comic book movie in itself it's a dark yeah. dark horse yeah. comic and, dark horse and dark horse are always oh, definitely the well, it's in the name, isn't it? They were definitely darker than, say, their, their Marvel or DC. Yeah, this. Yeah, the the idea of the mask here is a lot different to the comic book. Yes, because this has kind of been almost Disneyfied in itself, even though it's quite a dark. Yeah, piece in because itself. because in the comic book, apparently, anyone who wore the mask got injured in a severe or fatal manner. Yeah. So it's like Stanley Ipkiss was only in the the comics apparently for a few issues before he got killed off or something. And I mean, it would make sense yeah. that was, that element of the story would be amended for a film because obviously, yeah. Unless you unless you would want to focus on his death 
at the end if that was the case I mean spoiler alert that well, doesn't they, happen well, in this film but unless they wanted to go across obviously that I think they tried to do a sequel that never it well oh, it was they, did, they, 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 they did do one but we won't talk about that one <laughs> I've, I've seen bits and bobs and of son of the mask we'll never talk about that no we won't talk about the worst movie that's ever been made <laughs> but no I think I think that idea was if they did a sequel and if they did a sequel in a similar in still in Edge City, it might have been someone else wearing the mask. Mm. Which that would probably be more in line with what the comics were. I distinctly remember back in ninety five, ninety six, there was a um, talk of the um, sequel being based on the dog wearing the mask. Oh yeah, yep, yep. Because Milo, isn't it? The... Yeah, Milo the dog. He wore, he wore, He is terrifying with the mask on. <laughs> it's like I remember saying, "Oh yeah, he's quite cartoonish." And I just see him with all those teeth like. Fucking hell, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's a, I mean, like, it's it's scary, and, and and for the time, the special effects. I I remember being floored by the special effects. I think they still hold up quite well. But I mean, the yeah, fact that the yeah. mask is a cartoon character, yeah, gives it a, gives the film a bit more of a free pass. And the fact that the CGI has dated, obviously, but but, but, yeah. but it makes sense within the context of the film. So that, that it doesn't really matter with the graphics age because I kind of. I kind of noticed a lot more, I think more, as I obviously now more versed in film and kind of, I can, I can look more into like scenes and stuff like that. I kind of noticed they kind of did a lot of green highlighting on the mask itself on certain close-ups. So it's like, you can still see the, it's like the, the dull green of the actual makeup, but then they've clearly in either lighting or special effects gone and kind of really spruced up the green, like on high, high dynamic range or something like that. I mean, it's not available in 4k yet, but. I mean, I, I would probably pick it up on a, if it was released in UHD. Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely will grab this probably on Blu-ray at some point because mm. it, it does, it does feel now watching it again that it is essential to my collection. Um, this is, I, I, in hindsight, this is definitely one of the best Jim Carrey movies I feel. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and beyond Jim Carrey, we've also age. got to give praise to Cameron Diaz because this was her big feature debut. Yep, she were, she uh, got the role about seven days before filming. Seriously, that's what the the trivia stats tell me. <laughs> wow, because she it doesn't doesn't feel like she's been rushed into this. She's she's great throughout, um, and it's interesting how her character she's playing the the sort of like blonde bombshell, so she's like the femme fatale, mm. but she's actually a, a bit more of a nuanced character than it first appears. That she's actually. Um, um, in, in 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 many ways, she she's a, she's much of a hero as um, Stanley Ipkiss is as well, which is yeah. quite interesting. It's the, the it's the other romantic interest who is the um the sort of the news reporter. Yeah, yeah. Peggy. Peggy, thank you. Yeah, she she's actually a, a, a more of a villainous character. Uh, yeah, I'm. I was not particularly kind of convinced by the sudden change round. You think it, you think it's too forced. Yeah, it was like for most of the films, like Peggy seems to be absolutely fine, and then it's just, and then it's just, oh, by the way, I'm turning you over to these gangsters because I need money. <laughs> and it, I get, I, I know where they put, they put, they put the clues there at the start when she's going, oh, well, I had to move, of course, it wasn't making enough money and that sort of things. But just considering how she is up until that moment, it feels really. I don't know. I, I feel it's like it just rewatching that. It just kind of goes really. It's like a bit too out of the blue for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, signposted, but it just doesn't. It just doesn't feel genuine. I mean, there's a deleted scene on the the Blu-ray which 
uh, showed that even though Peggy handed her over handed over Ipcus to the gangsters, she st- she met a very nasty demise in a pin- printing press. <laughs> they fi- wow, no, no, that, they that actually, would have been they, dark. They filmed that, but no, it didn't work well with the test audiences, so they um, they changed it around. No, interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, in terms of other performances, um, Peter Green plays the, the main antagonist, Dorian Tyrell, who's he's, he's a climbing mobster. Who, yeah. um, I always remember that the scene where he's um, he's brutalised by the mob boss with a golf set. Oh yeah, Generally, it's like, although, yeah although, have, it, the, have the tea. <laughs> it's, it's not particularly graphic, but just the idea of someone playing golf with, using your face as a tea just mm. always horrified me. I don't know why that's the one thing from the film that's always made me uncomfortable. But the, I think uh, for Peter Green, the master's part of like a really good sort of run of just reliable mini character actors because he appeared in things like The Usual Suspects he appeared in Under Siege 2 he appeared in uh, what else he also appeared in Pulp Fiction mm. uh, Judgment Night stuff like that so this was kind of like the peak of we need someone reliable yeah it's Peter Green well, he, his character is very good as well and the fact that when he be- when he becomes the mask you realise that yeah. how the, the terrible how terrible it actually is and how, yeah. in some ways Stanley Ipkiss is he's, well very very much against the comic book um, he's 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 playing with fire and he's doing very well. Yeah, they must. They it's like because one of the things as well is obviously how they transform the person when they wear the mask. It's like for Dorian, he has it's he's like his whole shoulders become like the most hinged ever. <laughs> he goes, I'm just he thinking, goes full bane. Yeah, he just goes, "I'm Dorian." <laughs> and and also you notice little other bits like when he gets really angry, his eyes sort of glow red as well. It's like they just sort of suddenly spark red and then dull as he calms down. It's interesting just thinking about it. Some of the meta jokes was that the, the Jim Carrey mask, he's constantly breaking the fourth wall. I realised, I wonder yeah. how much of an influence this had on the Deadpool series. Possibly. So, well, like one of my um, favourite moments is when, um, the, um, <laughs> when, when, they shoot the, when they shoot the Stanley Ipkiss mask and he suddenly becomes a cowboy who's dying yeah. and he, he, he overextends it's like a good 30 seconds of him oh, 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 I'm dying like, and he just and, and he, Tal, and he wins the academy he wins an academy award for his performance and like, you see silhouette of an audience clapping in front of him and these confused gangsters just like kneading up their ties and, I love that I mean, the, the, I mean the cartoon solutions to the real world violence is generally quite very clever I feel um, yeah. and it is it, like the Tommy Gun, Tommy Gun, balloon animal secrets as well. It's, it's very inventive, and um, oh. yeah, it's it. Um, I, it's very hard not to smile all the way through this. Um, another, mm. another little great joke as well is um, you know Ben Steen playing Doctor Arthur Newman. <laughs> oh like, yes, it's like yeah, about- everyone wears masks, the most exciting <laughs> masks. But not necessarily our own mask. I can't do an impersonation. I, I just I love films where I love films that are fantastic, and there's a there's a sort of a scientist or a psychiatrist who thinks that it's it's um he thinks they're just crazy. Very much like um Doctor um oh was it Doctor Letterman from um the Terminator movies? Oh yes, yes. Like yes. hey, that slime ball. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always amusing when these characters are totally wrong. The, what do they know with their expertise and facts and science? Mm. I believe the crazy person with the mask. Yeah, I also, I also like in the film. I like, I like the police detectives as well. Oh, like, you, yes, you've got Keller, oh, Wa- 
Oh, it's like, well, my foot, the one joke that I laughed out incredibly loud <laughs> it, when I was rewatching this the other day was when they're going through, his, they've arrested the mask and they're going through his pockets. And it's like, oh, a photo of Kellaway's wife. What? <laughs> <laughs> the, the best, a highlight of the entire movie is when the mask escapes the police by forcing them to do a conga line as the, yeah. the Cuban, um, was it Cuban Pete song? Yeah. Like, it, I, I, again, just the breakdown of reality is it's, it's it's played so wonderfully the way it cuts to the, the, the policewoman just bursting into song oh, yeah. I, I remember watching that as a child and having my little mind exploding at this i mean yeah. like, it, it again it's so inventive and so it's so funny um yeah mm. i mean it, it is it is it a perfect movie no there, i mean no. like you're right I, I actually i kind of i'm kind of with you with the peggy character and um and some, yeah. some, of, the, some of the gangster element it kind of feel a bit the way the way forced Stanley's Ipkiss' and... story merges with the gangsters does feel a bit forced. Just, just yeah. kind of their ticket yeah, boxes. Just, just they need to get to they need to get from A to C, but they can't be yeah. bothered with B. Um, but uh, I don't I don't need this to be the Godfather, you know. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Basically, this the, basically the film serves as a vehicle to tell you how great a performer Jim Carrey is as a comedian. Yeah. And this film excels in that, and basically it's it's that it's that tier of his films that you basically go, that's what made Jim Carrey such an incredible performer in the nineties. Ace Ventura, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, yes, uh, Truman Show, stuff like that. It's just you just you, it, it just goes it, it just goes on that tier, yeah. Regardless regardless of the small character flaws or the small storytelling flaws, and what's, what's cannot, really interesting? What what makes the mask? better than say ace the ace ventura movies is ace ventura he is ace ventura he is like on onto 11 all the way through those yeah. films and although they are yeah. funny i am I, i'm aware that the first movie has become increasingly problematic because of its yeah, horrendous transphobia uh, yeah <laughs> um yeah, yeah. so it, it, the sec- if, you, if you really like ace ventura and you find it too problematic just stick to the second one yeah uh, the second one still is good the second one holds up a lot better in my opinion um mm. But what with this film works a lot better than those is the fact that Stanley Ipkiss is like like we say a, a kind of a loser every man and he's just mm. he's just he's desperate and struggling and he's, he's endearing and then mm. he becomes you know, then he goes up to eleven by becoming the mask so yeah. you, you get a kind of, you get a break from that manic Jim Carrey energy kind of in the yeah. same, similar to Liar Liar when he transforms into the lawyer that can't lie and he's, right. yeah. he slowly Liar Liar's on that tier as well Liar yeah, Liar's yeah. on that yeah, tier I'd say, I'd say out of out of his nineties comedic output it's this and Liar Liar the two the two standouts which I'd recommend watching. Yeah, um, on the on on the secondary tier, you could put Batman Forever. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I like, had, a, had a huge argument. I, I, I say huge argument. I had a playful argument with one of my, my one of my best friends, a chap called Tab. He um mm. he, he we were talking about films because I recommend him occasional film, and he's yeah. like, oh yeah, we watched Batman Forever and Batman Robin the other day. It was really great. I was like, what are you talking about? Why why did why did you just watch the Dark Knight trilogy? It's so much better. And he was like, Christian, sometimes I just want to watch really, really colourful villains in really colourful worlds be silly. And I'm like, no, no, I I disagree. (laughs) You just need Christian Bale screaming at you for six hours straight. Oh, God, can you imagine Christian Bale, Batman and Jim Carrey Riddler together? (laughs) Where are the drugs? (laughs) Joy, Gatham! Where are the other drugs going? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Thank you for ruining... 
ruining my favourite movie. No, the thing about Batman Forever, I mean, I'm going a bit off. Yeah, uh, but it's not Jim Carrey. So... Jim Carrey is really well cast as the, as the Riddler, and he he is perfect as the Riddler. Actually, um, mm. it's Tommy Lee Jones that ruins that film. Yeah, he he, <laughs> he doesn't know who he's playing. Tommy Lee Jones thinks he's also playing the Riddler, and is just copying Jim Carrey. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre because Tommy Lee Jones is a great, great, great casting choice for that role if he played it properly. <laughs> but then but then if we were keeping in line with the previous Batman films, it should have been Billy D. Williams yes, being Two-Face. it should have been Billy D. Williams and he, he clearly would have done a much better job. But I, I don't, <laughs> I don't like, know why... Hello! <laughs> I can't imagine how Billy D. Williams... It's like, I like the idea of Billy D. Williams as Two-Face. It's like trying to pitch that in the live action form Well, he got in to the do 90s. it eventually in the Lego yeah, Batman Yeah, the Lego. Movie. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which, which is meta, like a really obscure sports. little throwaway joke, which like only people like you and I would be like, oh, I get that. Brain is feeling warm and fuzzy. Sorry, I just have to say that at the moment I think of Lego Batman. <laughs> but I'm going back to The Mask, another comic book yes. movie with Jim Carrey. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, this, it, I think that this is my second favourite 90s Jim Carrey movie. I think Lie Lie is his, is his best. And then I'd say Dumb and Dumber underneath that. My first, I think Dumb and Dumber is probably the most popular out of the... Are you the other way around? I'm not a big... I mean, I haven't watched it in a while, but I... I don't love Dumb and Dumber as much as Mask. Interesting. Yeah, when I was watching Dumb and Dumber back in when I was at the cinema, I mean, I, I've watched it now and then, years ago, but I've never properly watched it now. But I just, I just never, I didn't really. I see don't know. The I film. think you and I would look really fetching in the lime green, um, <laughs> fluorescent orange suits. Can, can we go find ourselves a nice dog, dog furred van? And go. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've always been. To, we've always wanted. To, do a tri- we, uh, on our Trivial Titans podcast, we were talking about doing a special dedicated to inappropriate cartoon spin-offs of like adult. Oh movies. yes, because there and was a Dumb is... and Dumber cartoon. Yes, yes, absolutely, yep. yes. <laughs> so we need to do that at some point. Yes, but and no. there was a mask cartoon as well, and I think the mask cartoon was a bit more. And although it was, it was you know for kids. Yeah. The stories were more based. Uh, were, more faithful to the comics so i understand also, i could be wrong but... uh still stanley ipkris but it was voiced by rob paulson hmm. um tim curry was a villain who always Excellent. went who always went go find mr ipkris there's a separate hit at the end and, I mean, uh, you, and they... you had me at tim curry yeah yeah so tim curry was a regular villain and and the mask and the ace ventura cartoons always have a couple of crossover episodes where they both appeared at the same time there was an Ace Ventura cartoon. Yes, yep. there was. Yep, and like, yep. So the mask would appear on the Ace Ventura cartoon, and the, and the mask would and the Ace Ventura would come to the mask cartoon now and then. So it's like mind blown as a child. <laughs> the original MCU, obviously. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, let's give the mask a star rating. Uh, for me, it was a solid four stars. Yeah, it's I, a, it's a I, four star thing. Yeah, it, it has aged well. Um, I mm. feel. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely worth keep watching. Um. It's not difficult, but it's one of the better comic book movies of the 1990s. Yes. I mean, I'd probably only recommend this, Blade and The Crow, if I'm being perfectly honest. Not not the first two Batmans. No, no, no. That was 80s, wasn't it? No, you're right. Batman Returns is 1992. Yes. 1989 was the original Batman. Okay, so Batman Returns gets added. Batman Returns. Oh, I've out of those. Batman Returns is the best of the lot. Batman Returns is one of my favourite comic book movies. Mm. 
uh, the film that fired Tom, uh, Tom, Tom Burton, Tim Burton's brother. Uh, <laughs> Hello, my name's Tom. I'm going to go do this film. It's called Ezw- Edward Scissorhandsy Thingy. He just chops things with fingers. I don't know where that was going. <laughs> no, that wasn't as witty as you thought it would be. No, I like the fact no. that you stuck to it in the hope that something would come. In my uh, arrogance. <laughs> Damn my hubris! Uh, um, not to not to game yeah, there. Um, the mask, the mask. Yeah, four stars. <laughs> yeah, Man Returns. Yeah, four stars. Four stars. Four stars. Yep, yep. Absolutely One of the better stars. comic book movies of the nineties, and probably along with Liar Liar, definitely Jim Carrey's best comic, yeah. comedic outing in, in that high, decade. High tier, high tier uh, Jim Carrey. I think things like uh, Cable Guy go up there as well. No, I, I don't know how I feel about Cable Guy. I feel like I need to rewatch it. Yeah, Ben Stiller directed that one. Yes, he did. Yeah, he yeah. did. Um, yeah. It's, um, I know it wasn't. It didn't. It wasn't a hit. I don't believe. No, but it, it kind of got more cult status from uh, post post release. So when it came to DVD and stuff like that, people were a lot more forgiving and kind mm. of going, "Oh, this is actually quite a fun film." Well, it's not a fun. Film, so it just didn't find its audience. Yeah, it didn't find its audience because I think they were expecting. I think people were expecting another sort of manic sort of things, but this is kind of like manic, but also a very creepy as well. <laughs> yeah, well, he's basically the antagonist, isn't he? Yeah. In this film. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's it's a great mask is a very good introduction to Jim Carrey. Oh yeah, and absolutely. Like, yeah, watch Liar Liar, and then if you've never seen any of his more serious movies, you've got to watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Truman Show. And the Truman Show. Truman Truman, Show. I, I love the Truman Show. Truman Show as well. And I think that's kind of why we uh watching Sonic the Hedgehog earlier this year with Jim Carrey just doing what he did Well, in I the mean 90s. it was it was perfect because yeah. Sonic is Sonic is one of the most there are some things which are just nineties. Yeah. Like like that video like I think I've said this before, that, that videotape of the cast of friends teaching you how to use Windows ninety five. <laughs> Summer <laughs> <laughs> Some artifacts and some some um, products are just stuck in the nineties, and that, Sonic the Hedgehog is one of those. And to, and to use Jim Carrey, who in in a comedic role, it, it just you know that it's it's the best of the nineties being yeah. thrown at you. And it, that's why I think Sonic worked so well. I'm going to go off on a random tangent. You said friends teaching you how to use Windows ninety five. I'm going to I'm going to raise that slightly with a behind the scenes look at Independence Day, hosted by Jeff Goldblum trying to find Area fifty one. <laughs> that is very 90s as well I that got it free with the 90s. sun <laughs> collected tokens <laughs> went to Woolworths got a copy <laughs> Woolworths my gosh yes that is also 90s it yeah. no longer exists pretty much anyway let's talk about next episode and next episode I think are brand new films because things like Mike Spy have turned up on Amazon was this meant to be a was this meant to be a cinematic release? It came out uh, mid March in the UK at cinemas, uh, like two weeks before I think shut down. Right, and then Amazon picked up the rights to the film and kind of went, yeah, we'll just throw it out. Bing, cool. And, and uh, yes, yeah, so my pick is going to be my spy with Dave Bautista as yep. the as the toughest nail spy who is being forced to do some babysitting. Basically, basically, I, I dubbed it as every wrestler's rite of passage, if they are doing a, a film career, is they have to do one film based about looking after a family or surveilling a family. You've so got it's Mr. Nanny and the Tooth Fairy, basically. Yeah, Mr. Nanny, the Tooth Fairy. John Cena eventually did it with playing with fire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so John Cena's gone the other way. Yeah. He's decided Tri- to make a Triple terrible H- film. 
Triple, have to make it to very good ones. Yeah, Triple H did it with the chaperone, straight to DVD, apparently. You're right. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> Triple H was attempt, attempted uh, to uh, go for Hollywood stardom. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, basically, if you're a wrestler and you've been trying, it basically, it's the right of passage. It's also the right of passage for any action star. Vin Diesel, The Passion Fire, um, Schwarzenegger, Kindergarten Cop. Uh, has I will hear no bad things about that film. Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> uh, Stallone, I don't think, has done one. No, he's done Spy Kids. Um. <laughs> oh, God, we will, we will talk bad things about that film. But yes, anyway, so my pick is my spy. Uh, Christian, your pick, I believe... Um, we're looking... I'm going to go with um, Onward. Yes, because the Onward... The Pixar movie. Yes, Onward has arrived on digital to own. It's not on Disney Plus yet. I don't think it's hitting it till the summer. So July. So we are going to be watching the digital to own version. So I I will pick it up for us to watch, and that'll be Thank fun. Thank you very much. No worries. And uh, yes, that is what's in store next time. So yes, Can it, I, before before we finish, did did onward get a cinematic release before it, this? It, again, it came out like two three weeks before all hell broke loose. Right. So it just it it got got yeah. screwed at the box yeah. office, regardless. Yeah. Pretty much, sadly. Um, but I hear I hear decent things. I think we had a review uh, done for the Bunkzilla website, and I think it got four stars, four, three stars. Well, let, let's, let's find out ourselves. Yes, week. yes, let's find out our, ourselves for the next episode. So, yes, that does bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our film ramblings and our film reviews today. Do let us know what you think about the films we've talked about. You can email us via contact at bunkzilla.co. Dot UK. Don't forget, we also host uh, Trivial Titans, which is our fun, trivial banter show where we're talking about all random things to do with geek and pop culture. We're going on a little bit of a hiatus, but we are coming back with season three very, very soon. But you can catch up with the entire series right now on all good podcast providers. And yes, yeah, so until next time, uh, we will see you soon. Keep safe, be well. And uh, I've been Ian Bolton, and I've been joined by Christian R. Allen. Stay sexy. Stay cinematic. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. See you later.